This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg We are on page 647 and he's saying that although in general in general, there's a sequence, there's an order. You can't begin, you can't run before you walk, you can't walk before you crawl. There's an order of things, how you, have to, how you start. First, the foundation of a Jew's approach to Hashem has to be that there's a sense of awe. A sense of awe of Hashem. A sense of fear, a sense of awe. Not fear of punishment. We're not talking about fear of punishment. Fear of punishment, although it's based on faith, obviously if you believe that God can punish you and God could reward you, it's based on faith. But fear of punishment itself is very selfish, egotistical. You know, God could hurt me or I'm going to gain from this. I'm going to... So, now, when it comes to avoiding a sin or doing something negative, who cares what your motivation is? Fear of punishment, whatever it takes. Like you tell a child, you're going to start arguing with a child. Sometimes a child, that's all the child understands, is fear of punishment. You're going to tell a child, don't walk around barefoot. You walk around barefoot, you lose your legs. Now the child, what does the child hear? Fear of punishment. He's terrified of punishment. I'm going to lose my legs. It's only because the child can't understand. The father can't sit down and explain the child. You know what's going to happen if you... If you walk around barefoot, you're going to get a splinter. And your feet will turn gangrene. And we won't have a choice. We're going to have to amputate your leg to save your life. So it's not... But the, that's, the child can't understand that. The child here is, Oi, if I don't listen, Oi, is my father going to get back at me? He's going to chop off my leg. It's a tit for that. It's a punishment. That's what he hears. That's what he understands. But you know what? If that's all the child is capable of understanding, and if that's going to make sure that the child will wear shoes and not walk around barefoot and not, and not kill himself, not hurt himself. Who cares what the motivation is? So you have to speak to a child the language of a child. So that's why those who look at the Torah very superficially, oh, God of vengeance, says in the Torah, if you don't listen to the Torah mitzvah, this and this is going to happen. What a vengeful God. But it's like the loving parent is speaking to a child. When all a child can think about and understand is how will this affect me? And being a child is not... Jewish years are not measured on the passport. It's being a, an emotional child, a psychological child, a spiritual child. A person who's selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed, and can only think in terms of ego, in terms of I. So the Torah is telling you. It's a consequence, not a punishment. That if you behave this and this way, this is what's going to happen. If you forget who you are and you forget what you're all about, 
and you act in a way that's alien to yourself. You do violence to yourself by acting in a way that's not Jewish, by acting in a way that's not godly. For a Jew whose whole essence is godly, to act in a way that's not godly, to speak in a way that's not godly, to think in a way that's not godly, you're doing violence to yourself. You're introducing something into your system that your system must reject. Your system can't handle it. And it will evoke the worst anti-Semitism. As we've seen throughout our history, wherever and whenever we try to assimilate, it backfires. So the child, that's the only language a child understands. If this and this happens, well, this and this terrible thing is going to happen. You know, whatever it takes. If that's what's going to stop you from doing something foolish, from acting foolish, and will keep you on the right path, you know, at the end of the day, whatever it takes. But that's not what we're discussing here. That's not even the minimal level of all that he's discussing. That's selfish. I'm afraid of punishment. I'm afraid to get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. I have enough trust in God. I have enough faith in God. If He says, if I act so and so, these are the consequences, I know that this is for real and I don't want to get hurt. So, I'll do the right thing. But that's selfish. That's not godly. The minimum, the minimum requirement for some connection to godliness is there has to be a sense of accepting upon yourself the yoke of heaven. Accepting upon yourself that you are a faithful and loyal servant of Hashem. You're a faithful and loyal soldier. What an honor it is to serve Hashem. Hashem is my king. He's my sovereign. He has a right to order me. He has a right to command me. It's my privilege and duty and my honor to be part of His army, to be part of His... and to listen to Hashem. That's a general acceptance that a person takes upon himself. I'm not free. Just like a soldier is not free. I am a soul. I have dedicated myself. There's a certain yoke on, on yourself. You can't just, you're not free to do as you please or speak as you please or think as you please. There's a certain discipline. This is the minimal requirement. This is the foundation, the cornerstone, the first step to approach Hashem. Then, of course, you have the higher levels of awe, which we discussed in the previous classes. Which leads to love of Hashem. When you have a sense of awe, you have a sense of connection to Hashem, the next step is that you develop, you start caring for Hashem. And you develop a love, a feeling, a sensitivity, a relationship, a connection, an attraction. You love godly things. You want godly things. You can't get enough of godliness. You can't get enough of Torah. You can't get enough of mitzvah. You can't get enough of tzedakah, acts, goodness, and kindness. You can't get enough. So the awe leads to the love. This is the normal order of things. But we don't live in a normal world. <laughs> I see, I see no one disagrees. And therefore, <laughs> you were going to say something. And therefore, we can't always follow the normal order of things. 
sometimes when Hashem sees that we're so lost, we're so disconnected, we're drowning. We're drowning. In the sea of materialism, we're drowning. We lost our way. We lost our compass. We're confused. And what's worse is, sometimes we're so lost, and we don't even, have, we don't even know that the way, we don't even know that we're lost. That's even worse. When a person is ill, but he knows that he's ill, Knowing that you're ill is already half, half of the cure. Knowing that you have a problem is already half of the cure. Because you're seeking for, for an answer. You're looking for an answer. You know that you have a problem. You need to resolve this problem. The worst case scenario is you don't even know you have a problem. You think you're healthy. You're dying and you think you're healthy. You're walking around with a, with a threatening illness, terminal illness. And I feel wonderful. Everything is great. I'm proud, it's wonderful. Then you don't even have the possibility, you don't, you're not even looking, you're not even searching. So when Hashem sees that the Jewish, when He sees that His spark is divine essence, because every one of us is a piece of the divine essence. It's like a spark. A spark may be disconnected from the flame, but it's still a spark, the very essence of the flame. Like a child. A child comes from the essence of his parent. But he's like a spark. He's independent. If you cut your finger, your parent doesn't automatically feel it, even though your parents are your source. But that's your essence. And they feel your pain. So we don't sense that connection. We don't sense that divine connection. And when Hashem sees that we're floundering, and we're lost, and we're drowning, Hashem has rachmanus. He has mercy, He has compassion on us. He throws us a rope, He throws us a lifesaver. And then suddenly we may feel an intense burst of love to Hashem, seemingly out of nowhere. Can't even explain it. But we just feel this something opens up inside of us, from a very deep place inside of us, a place that we never even suspected existed within us. And suddenly we just feel a pull, a connection to something divine, to something godly. We want to do something, we want to do a mitzvah, we want to study a little Torah, we want to pray, we want to do, do an act of tzedakah. And this sparks our return, our journey back home. So when we live... When we're living in a crazy world, chaotic world, an upside-down, topsy-turvy world, the approach cannot be, first, let's deal with the negativity, and then let's do something positive and constructive. When you're living in a topsy-turvy world, you have to start with the positive. You have to start with the light. And when there's light, there's no room for darkness. So yes, the normal, the ordinary way of things is you walk into a house, the house is dirty. First thing you got to do is you got to clean up the house. You got to scrub it, you got to clean it. Then you can furnish it. Then you can decorate it. But first, you have to get rid of the garbage. 
that's a normal circumstance. But in the type of world that we're living in today, you have to start with the light. You have to bring the light in. And by the more light, the darkness will just fade away. Slowly but surely. Increase the light, intensify the light, intensify the joy, the positive. Do a mitzvah. But I am vulgar, I am unworthy, I'm not ready. Just, just do the mitzvah. Just do the mitzvah. Do something divine. Bring some light in. And this will ignite your neshama. This will ignite your soul. And then automatically, once your life is filled with so much positive, you have no time to sin. Because you're too busy. You're too active. You're so caught up. You get so caught up. You get so enthusiastic. You get so excited about positive things. You know, I, I didn't have time to sin. I would like to, but you know, I just... I can't fit into my busy schedule. <laughs> so, many, so many things going on. I have this to do and I have that to do and this I look forward to and this I anticipate. And that's, that's the approach today. And that's the Alter Rebbe saying at the end of the chapter. Yes, that we, we discussed till now. That's the normal way of things. But we have to realize that there's also another possibility. A person could have a love without any preparation even though you're not ready for it and you haven't prepared for it and you have no sense of awe of Hashem. Matter of fact, you've totally thrown off the yoke of Hashem. And you don't respond to anything godly. But nevertheless, if you start with the positive, this is the approach. This is the, this is the approach we have to take today. In general, this is the Hasidic approach. Instead of harping, harping on the negative, on, the, on what's pathological within us, we harp on it's a more holistic approach harp on the positive you tell a child you don't tell a child you're selfish you're self-centered you're self-absorbed tell a child you know who you are you're a child of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel and Leah you know what you have inside of you you have a piece of the divine essence inside of you you have a holy neshama when the you have a treasure inside. You have a gem. You are a gem deep down inside. Once you hear that, you want to take care of this treasure. You want to protect this treasure. And that's a much better approach. It's a whole different approach. And this is what the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe said. The fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe said that the world says when you're facing a mountain, an obstacle, insurmountable obstacle, the world says, first try to go around the obstacle, underneath the obstacle. If you have no choice, then you climb the obstacle. He says, and I say, you should start out that way. You should initially leapfrog the obstacle. That should be your whole initial approach. Not only after the fa- if you have no choice. What is that? One of the explanations is that the, the regular way of the things is, first you have to work, go slowly but surely, work your way up. But the Rebbe Marash says, and I say, what Hasidus teaches is, just leapfrog the problem. Put yourself in a position that just leapfrogs the whole problem. Put yourself in a position of light, of wholesomeness. Put yourself in a joyful position. Put yourself in a position as if you've already resolved the whole issue. And work, work your way backwards. How would you feel if you had already resolved the issue? And then, and then put yourself in that state of mind. 
Don't be stymied by the problem. Don't, don't be stuck by the problem. Because the truth is that deep down, every Jew, at every moment, there's a place within us that's whole, that's perfect, that's 100%. Totally integrated, connected. We may not sense it on the conscious level, but that's only because we're alienated from ourselves. We're not in touch with our real selves. But we could put ourselves in the position, put ourselves in the position of our godly soul. Our godly soul is perfect at every moment. Even at that moment when we're confused, and we're lo- at that moment, deep down inside, our soul is connected and is fully integrated and knows the way out and has the answer, the perfect answer of our dilemma at that moment. It's right here and now, within us. We just have to reach into it and, and reveal it. So it's there. And sometimes Hashem just like, removes the veil and just we get a glimpse. We make that connection. And it leapfrogs all the obstacles. And it connects us to the divine. And once you connect it to the divine, then all the negativity just melts away. It's worth more than years of therapy. One moment, one experience, experiencing something deep inside of yourself. One moment of a genuine experience. Getting a glimpse of your real core, your real essence. When that moment, that emerges, that's so cathartic, that, that's more helpful. You have more change in that moment than years of paying someone and no change. It's a real moment. Be a moment of change. So you can leapfrog. You can change at any moment. You can leapfrog. You don't have to go through the ordinary channels. You can leap ahead. You can jump forward. And you can reach deep down inside and just, if you tap into that place, there is an option. If you tap into that place inside of you, that deep place inside of you, your pintalayid, your core, your essence, that divine spark, you can leapfrog that whole that whole long, torturous, tedious path you can just in one moment, in one split second, you can change. Do you know of anybody who's done that? <laughs> well, he's going to give an example we find in the Talmud. He's going to give the example of Rabbi Elazar ben Dordaya. Right, right. That in one, Rabbi Elazar ben Dordaya was a great sinner. He's a big playboy. And, um, and once he heard that the most beautiful courtesan in the world, he was looking for the most beautiful, and he found her and he was ready to pay top dollar or whatever the price was. And then she insulted him. And he got very... And then he started... He started... He started... Thinking of doing teshuva. And he turns to the mountains, please pray for me. And he turns... 
And they all said, we can only pray for ourselves. We can't help you. And he says he lowered his head, buried his head between his knees, and he cried, and his soul expired. It was such a genuine teshuva, such a genuine level of return, that he's literally his soul expired. And at that moment, Rebbe, the author of the Mishnah, Rabbeinu HaKadr, said, <coughs> cried, and said, here, I've worked all my life to have a share in the world to come, and here is a Jew, in one moment, in one split second, he gained the share in the world to come. So he tapped into that place. The Torah is not just a history book. The Torah is telling us of that option, that there is that possibility. You tap into that place where you just leapfrog the whole... And then you can change in a moment. Because deep down inside, it's all there. But ordinarily, you can't access it. So you have to go step by step. First, you have to have awe, and then a lower level of awe, and a higher level of awe. And then you develop a level of love. This is all takes time. But there's also the other option where it can happen in a moment. Either an inspiration from above, suddenly, out of nowhere. In today's generation, you have, you have tens of thousands of Rabbi Lazar ben Hundreds of thousands of Rabbi Lazar ben Not dying, but living. People who grew up without any Jewish connection, without any consciousness of being Jewish, it meant absolutely nothing to them. And suddenly something happened in their life, and how many hundreds of thousands of Jews at this point have totally reconnected to the Judaism, rediscovered the Judaism with a vengeance? No, not without any benefit, without the benefit of any Jewish education, or you know, grew up without a single positive and meaningful Jewish experience. If anything, every message in society, every message they grew up with was the antithesis of everything that's godly. And, and yet, they just, it was that moment that totally transformed their lives around, 180 degrees. This, this is, so if it, if it is any generation that could relate to this idea, it's our generation. This is not theory, this is reality. So you see that this approach, this approach, it's possible. And there are hundreds of thousands of living examples that personally testify to this truth. We are on page 647, uh, the third paragraph, this category. This latter category of love sometimes precedes fear according to the quality of da'at, which fathers it, as is known. For da'at incorporates both Hasidim and Gavurot, which are love and fear, Chesed is love and Gevura is fear. Da'at reveals both these emotions. Thus, binding one's Da'at intensely to the greatness of Hashem gives rise to both feelings, fear, and love. And sometimes the Chasadim descend and manifest themselves first. Chasadim may sometimes precede the Gevura. This means that Da'at may sometimes evoke love before fear. Therefore, it is possible for a wicked and sinful person to repent by virtue of the love that is born in his heart at the time he remembers the Lord his God. Although up to the point of his repentance he was wicked and lacked the fear of God, still there may be born in him a love for God that will lead him to repent. Even though he had no feeling for anything godly, he's totally disconnected, not responding to anything godly, not feeling responsible, not caring. 
for his soul, for his Yiddishkeit, for anything. And yet, he could awaken at any moment, he could awaken a genuine feeling, an authentic feeling for, for godliness. An intense feeling. A love. At any rate, fear too is impeded therein. And the love is a matter of course, except that it is there in a state of minuteness and concealment, namely as the fear of sin, of going against him, God forbid, while the love is in a revealed state in his heart and mind, so that consciously the individual is only aware of the love for God. Right, so love brings with it, we're on top of page 648, love brings with it also a sense of fear, of awe, because they go hand in hand. When you love Hashem, at that moment, you fear to do anything to harm this relationship, this wonderful, beautiful relationship. If you have a beautiful feeling to Hashem, towards godliness, you're not going to do anything to harm, harm this relationship. But that's concealed. What's, what's overt, what's obvious is what you're feeling, what you're experiencing is a love for Hashem, an attraction for Hashem. And even though there was no sense of awe before, you have no real sense of awe of Hashem's presence, but suddenly you feel this tremendous love, this intense love. I think we can all, all have that experience occasionally where seemingly out of nowhere, suddenly you feel inspired. Out of nowhere. You didn't prepare for it. You, you're not, you weren't meditating or reflecting. Just some mornings you just wake up and you're just inspired. You can't wait to get to shul. You wanna, the prayer that day is different. It's, it's, it's feeling, it's felt, it's, you know, the, the, the studying of Torah. You know, you feel, it feels like it's, you feel like it's nourishing you. You just can't explain it. You do a favor to someone, you do it whole, wholeheartedly. You're not just doing it half-heartedly. You just feel inspired. It's a gift, it's a grace, it's a gift from Hashem. We don't question it, we don't ask, we, we receive it, and we're grateful and thankful. It doesn't stay too long. Usually these things come and go. Easy come, easy go. It leaves, vanishes, as quick, fades away as quickly as it came. But while we have it, we enjoy it. It's a beautiful, sometimes Hashem just gives us a gift. There's a mood, there's an inspiration. You don't question it, you receive it. So you see that there could be a love that's seemingly out of nowhere. I'm not prepared for it. I didn't prepare for it. He said earlier that you have to first prepare. If you prepare, there's a sense of awe, then... It's like a relationship. Fear, awe represents the feminine energy, the woman, and love represents the masculine energy, and therefore it's an it's a interactive relationship. The more she's drawn to him, the more he responds to her. It's a two-way street. That's the normal, ordinary way of things. First, there has to be a sense of awe. You have to, you have to prepare yourself. You have to want to have this relationship. And the more you connect it to Hashem, then Hashem is attracted to you, so to speak. Then you sense this divine love for Hashem. That's the ordinary way of things. But it doesn't always work that way. Many times, thank God, even if there is no awe, even if we're not ready, out of nowhere, Hashem suddenly pulls us. And we feel this pull, this powerful attraction. Hashem reels us in. And... uh, Especially when he sees that we're floundering and he sees that we're, we're at the edge. We may be about to do something or we're going to lose our humanity, lose our soul, lose everything because of a moment of foolishness. And Hashem sees we can't help ourselves. That we're about to make this. So he says, okay, 
That's it. I, I, better, I better step in there. <laughs> let me, let me, let me, uh, let me reveal a little of what's going on inside. To this Jew, maybe completely ignorant, clueless, of how much depth he carries inside of him, how much love he carries inside of him, Hashem, how much feeling of connectedness. But he's completely clueless. Maybe due to no fault of his own, he grew up that way. He doesn't know any better. But whatever the reason may be, or because of the crazy world we live in, with the, with the distorted messages and confusing messages, and the person is so confused, they don't know if they're coming or they're going. Hashem has a Rachmanus. And suddenly he pulls, pulls, pulls in the neshama, the soul, and reveals. And Jew suddenly experiences this deep yearning for godliness, this pure, innocent, pure feeling for godliness which pierces through the darkness, pierces through everything. Ready and not ready, here I come. And many times that can affect a life change in the person. Because once a person tastes, experiences that level, that love will inevitably lead him to awe and lead him to become a full-fledged, wholesome Jew and live like a Jew. Think like a Jew. Speak like a child. So this is not the ordinary way of things, but it's definitely a possibility. So a person shouldn't think that the only way to approach Hashem is first I must have awe and fear, and then that will lead me to love. That's not true at all. You can start out with love. And you know, it's not only an act of desperation when you have no choice, nothing else is working. When the person doesn't respond to anything else, let me, let me try with love. It's a much better approach because instead of wallowing in, in a negative, you're, you're wallowing in positive. You're focusing on the positive, on the gem inside of you, on the depth. And when you reveal a little depth, just washes away so much of the cobwebs. It just automatically, it just melts away. It's like a, a, a lake that suddenly is overgrown with weeds. Why? Because a freshwater lake. Because maybe the fresh water is clogged up. The fresh water is not reaching the lake. And suddenly the lake becomes weed infested. And all types of things start growing there. And it becomes dirty and so what do you do? One approach is, let me start cutting, cutting the weeds. <laughs> let me start fighting the weeds. Okay, if you have a few hundred years, <laughs> the moment you cut one weed, another weed shows up. You got rid of this bacteria. You know, you're going to treat the water. You're going to fight the weeds. It's almost a losing battle. And then there's a much better approach. You unclog the fresh water. Let the fresh water the wellspring water, just let it start flowing again into the lake. And you know what? Once the fresh water starts flowing, like, within very quickly, very rapidly, the lake heals itself. And suddenly it's a beautiful, clear, fresh, life-sustaining lake. But what happened with the weeds? Oh, the weeds, there was no room for the weeds. You created so much health, there's no room for the illness. You created an environment where there's no room for the illness. So when you create an environment of health, 
when you create a love, a, a love for Hashem, an environment where there's a love for Hashem, there's no room for anything negative. And then all those weeds just melt away and disappear. So, so this is the Hasidic approach. This is the holistic approach to life. It's like the holistic approach to medicine, which is superior to the pathological, the Western mechanical pathological approach, which deals with symptoms and techniques and mechanics. And meanwhile, you're wallowing in disease and you're wallowing in illness. A much superior approach is tap into, touch the deeper, the, the centers of life within a person and the vocal centers of life and bring it to the surface and strengthen them and create an environment of health that there's no room. All the symptoms disappear. There's no room. It can't thrive. All these illnesses and disease can't thrive in a healthy environment. It's a much, much better approach. This is not just if we have no choice. If we're in a desperate situation, then climb over the mountain. No. Initially climb over the mountain. This is a much better approach. Much more holistic approach. This is the Hasidic approach. Just like the miracle of Hanukkah. We, we light a candle. And when you light a candle, the darkness just melts away. So he's teaching us here, at the end of this chapter, a very, very powerful point. That this is, you should know, that this is an approach. And a very powerful approach. A legitimate approach. However, such a case where the wicked and sinful person should suddenly attain the love of God and become penitent, where love precedes fear is an, an extraordinary occurrence and an emergency prescription through God, particular providence, as the occasion requires. As happened with Rabbi Elazar ben Dudaya, who had been sinful and suddenly became a penitent, repenting out of a love for God. Indeed, so intense was his penitence that he caused his soul to depart his body. He says over here that Rabbi Elazar ben Dudaya. achieve the level of love of Hashem. But the question is, the story teaches us that he had teshuva. He repented. He regretted his life, his previous lifestyle. It doesn't so much teach us about his love for Hashem, as he suddenly regretted how distant he has become from Hashem. And we must say that the, the repentance is a critical part of the story because if it was just love, love doesn't lead you to, to expire. The lower level of love that we discussed earlier does not lead a person to expire. On the contrary, it leads you to love, it leads you to feel your life is meaning, has meaning, it leads you to feel good about life. You want to live. You love. When you're in love, when you care about someone, and you love them, you want to live. You want to experience that love. You don't want to die. Have Elizabeth and the Daya expire. He cried. 
He was so troubled, he was so bothered. It touched him and moved him so deeply that he literally died, expired, he literally died. So how is it possible that love, when you care and you love, you want to live and experience that love? How did that lead him to die? The answer is it wasn't just the love, it was also repentance. It was the combination. He experienced a love for Hashem. He hasn't thought about Hashem all of his life. And suddenly he felt such an intense love for Hashem. And he felt such a regret for his wasted life. How he wasted away his entire life on nothing. Foolishness, indulgence, self-gratification, instant gratification. It was all vanity, skin deep, superficial. Yes, he had fun for decades. He visited every courtesan on the face of the earth. But he reflected, at that moment he realized, that's all meaningless. I missed out on the most important love and the most important relationship of all. My love for Hashem, my relationship for Hashem. Nothing could substitute for that love and that relationship. All the indulgences in the world, all the pleasures in the world, cannot add up to one moment of connection with Hashem. So he felt that regret and the combination of the love and the teshuva led him to expire. His soul literally expired. He was in such anguish. He just couldn't take it. It was so intense. What he felt at that moment was so intense that he just, he cried, he cried himself to death. Literally. His soul just returned to Hashem. So yes, ordinarily love does not lead a person to expire. Love leads a person to life. When you love, you want to live. You have a reason to live. A person who has no love in his life, who doesn't care about anyone, doesn't care about anything, has no love in his life and has no reason to live. A person who cares about someone and has a love, has a reason to live. So love alone does not lead a person to expire. But love, the combination of teshuva, of regret, that led him to expire. Now, the question is asked, Abelazar ben Durdaya, Rebbe cried, he says, here we spend our life trying to have a share in the world to come, and here, this Jew, in one moment of Allah ben Durdaya, he's called Rabbi Allah ben Durdaya, in one moment, he acquired a share in the world to come. How could he have a share in the world to come? He never studied Torah in his life. He never did a single mitzvah in his life. He had no chance to do a mitzvah. All his life he spent sinning. He cried. He cried himself to death. He never had a chance to do mitzvot. How do you have a share in the world to come? He's called Rabbi Elazar ben Dadaya. What a rabbi? He never learned. He never went to yeshiva. He never studied. He had no chance to study. In the moment he changed his life around, he expired. How is it possible to enter the world to come empty-handed? You have nothing to show for yourself. Okay, maybe as a result of your tears, as a result of your sincere regret, all your sins are, wi- are washed away, are wiped away. Your soul is cleansed. But still, the bank account is empty. What have you done? Okay, you have no deficit. You have no, nothing in the, in the red side. You, 
in the red ledger, but there's nothing in the, there's nothing in the black either. Well, show me any mitzvah that you've done. Have you studied any Torah? Have you do any mitzvah? You haven't done a thing. How do you have a shear in the world to come? And the answer is, it says, Rabbi Lozab ben Derdaya, it was a reincarnation. It says, Rabbi Yochanan, the high priest, Rabbi Yochanan, the high priest, was from the family of the Hashmanoyim, the heroes of Hanukkah story. And he was a high priest for 80 years. And then at the end of his life, he blew it. He became, he joined the Tzedukim, the Sadducees, he joined those who don't believe in the oral tradition. He became a heretic. 80 years he was a high priest. The highest position, the highest office, the spiritual leader. And after 80 years, he became a tzaduk. He lost his faith. And he joined the other side. What happened to all his mitzvot? He lost his mitzvot. He regretted his mitzvah. So it says that Rabbi Lazar ben Dardaya received his mitzvah. When he, did, when he died, such an intense repentance, such an intense return to Hashem. So he took all of his mitzvot. That was the positive in his account. And therefore, he was able to enter into the Garden of Eden. But the question remains, how, how does one person get the mitzvot of another and the answer is because he, the Kabbalists say that Abulazar bin Dardayo was himself a reincarnation of Rabbi, of Rabbi Yochanan Kayan Gadi. So it was his soul. So here he got a second chance and he came back into this world and he led a life of indulgence. Uninhibited. No restraints. Anything goes. It's a free country. But then that moment that intense moment when he returned his soul to Hashem, so pure and so innocent, he reclaimed all of the mitzvot that he has done in his previous lifetime. Because it's one soul, it's the same soul. And therefore he was able to enter Gan Eden with all of his mitzvot intact. But he was elevated to the Gan Eden. So not only did he wipe away and totally clean and cleanse himself from his previous lifetime, the sin of his previous lifetime, his heresy. But he, he was elevated together with all of his accomplishments. 80 years of serving Hashem. 80 years of a high priest. He was able to elevate that whole experience and bring it with him, finally, into the Garden of Eden. Olam Haba. He had a share in the world to come. You want to continue to read inside? This was... This was an emergency prescription required for that occasion. For it is written that Rabbi Eliezer ben Gordaya was a Gilgo the reincarnated soul of Yohanan, the high priest, who served in that office for 80 years and then became a Sadduki. All the Torah and mitzvahs fulfilled by Yohanan were elevated through the transmigration of his soul into the body of Rabbi Eliezer ben Zordaya, whose life story followed the reverse course, that of a sinner who ultimately repented out of his love for God. However, the regular order of divine service, which is determined by and depends on a man's choice, is to begin with the fulfillment of the Torah and the Sloth, the Yira, and its state of maniqueness. At least departing from evil and doing good, how do you refrain from committing sins, performing all of this good? But nevertheless, although this was, this was like an emergency prescription, it was no choice. 
but a person can't rely on it. In other words, what he's saying here is, a person can't say, you know what, I am not going to commit myself to live a Jewish life unless I feel love. If I feel the love in my heart, then if I can experience it, if I can feel it, then I'll live a Jewish life, a Torah life, in my daily life. But if I don't feel it in my heart, then why bother? The person has to be genuine. You have to be, you have to be honest with yourself. If I don't feel anything, just to go through the motions. And he says, yes, that's the beginning. That's how you start. When the Jewish people received the Torah, what was the precondition for their receiving the Torah? What did the Jewish people say? Naseh, we will do. And then, Benishma will hear, will feel, will experience. It's like trying to explain to someone what the taste of spaghetti is. Someone who's never tasted it in his life. You have to taste it. You'll experience it. Then you'll know what it is. I, I can explain it to you and I can describe it to you. But unless you experience it, you don't really know what I'm talking about. Just do it. Do it. And then the feelings will come, will follow. You can't make that a precondition. A Jew can't, can't approach Hashem and say, listen, of course I want to connect with Hashem, but you know what? If I'll feel it, if I'll feel spiritual, and I'll feel the connection, I'll feel the vibes, then I'll, I'll do it. You can't make that a precondition. That's not the proper approach. This is only a person who's so disconnected and nothing else is reaching him. So Hashem has mercy and Hashem will start out with the love and the love will lead him to everything else but that can't be the approach of a Jew to Hashem you can't approach Hashem and say listen I'm only in if I can feel it of course everyone would love to be spiritual if they felt it who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to be a spiritual deep intense person who, everyone would love that but as long as I, if I feel it but the challenge is and that's what and the Jewish people accepted the Torah without any preconditions. We're not going to, that's not going to be a, uh, if I feel it, I'm in, if I don't feel it, I'm out. No. You have to first do the mitzvah, whether you feel it or not. You accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven. This is the right thing to do, and I do it because it's the right thing to do. If I feel it at the moment, I don't feel it in the moment, I'm in the mood, I'm not in the mood, it doesn't change with moods. You ever see a soldier say, hey, you know, I'm going to show up I'm going to show up to do battle if I wake up in the right mood, if I feel like it, if I agree. <laughs> you can imagine an army with a soldier. <laughs> Every soldier will decide, you know, if I agree with this command, if I, if I feel it, if I see the picture, if I understand it, then maybe I'll agree to get up. <laughs> what? <laughs> a soldier, I am here. I am ready to serve 24-7. First you do, and then later on, you can think about it. You can try to understand it. Once you experience it, that helps you understand. Because once you're there and you understand it, then... then, But that can't be a precondition. The foundation of a Jew, the cornerstone of a Jew's life is Nasa, we will do. We have a certain elemental acceptance of the yoke of heaven. It's an honor to serve Hashem. If this is what Hashem wants, wants me to do, I trust Hashem. He's my commander-in-chief. What an honor it is to serve Him. Hashem, if this is what you want, I'm here. He named me. Finish. No questions asked. Count on me. Rely on me 24-7. Then, that will lead to the next level. To the feeling. The understanding. Of course, just doing is not enough. We're not robots. We're not machines. 
Judaism has to engage your mind and your heart and your individuality and your personality and your character. Judaism has to engage you with every fiber of your being, every bone in your body. Just doing mechanically and by rote is not enough. Hashem wants to engage your intelligence and wants to engage your heart and your will and your pleasure and your soul. So, but the doing and the experiencing will help you come to the next, arrive at the next level. So that's what he's saying. The foundation has to be, the ordinary approach has to be, first you have to do Torah and Mitzvah, based on at least the minimal level of awe that we discussed earlier. Accepting upon yourself the yoke of heaven. Delivering of yourself. Dedicating yourself. Committing yourself. A certain discipline. Hashem, I'm yours. I belong to you. I'm yours. You're my commander, please. You're my king. It's an honor. What do you want me to do? I'm here. I'm ready. I'm not ready. I'm in a mood. I'm not in a mood. It's not about me. It's not evil. It's not about me. That's the minimal level, the minimal approach of a Jew to Hashem. It's not about me. We have to remember it's not about me. This is not some new age religion. It's not about me. Oh, if I like it, if it feels good. That's ego. That's selfish. That's self-centered. That's self-absorbed. That's infantile. That's nothing to do with godliness. Nothing to do with anything divine. Nothing to do with holiness. The beginning of holiness is step out of the way. Forget about yourself. It's not about me. Remember Step one is, Aleph, A, it's not about me. It's about Hashem. Hashem wants me to do this. It's the right thing to do. I'm ready. The understanding, I'll understand. I'll do, and then I'll understand. That's the beginning. And you do. Without preconditions. And when you start doing, and start living, and start experiencing, suddenly the gates will open. Suddenly your mind will start understanding. Your heart will start feeling. It'll come. The love will come. After the mitzvot, which are based on this sense of Hashem's reality and Hashem's presence. That minimal sense of egolessness. That's the beginning of holiness. That minimal, at least, the minimal requirement of egolessness. It's not about me. It's not about I. Oh God. Lord, get me high. What can God do for me today? It's not, it's not about you. Give your ego a break. Take a rest for a moment. It's about Hashem. That's why Shabbos is so holy. Shabbos is a day of rest. What do you mean a day of rest? Switching on a light is, very, is, is so taxing that we take a rest, we don't switch on a light. Shabbos is giving your ego a rest. Six days a week, you're the mover, and you're the shaker, and you're the macher. It's all about myself, me, myself, and I. Give yourself a rest. Give, give your ego a break. Forget about yourself for one moment. It's not about you. It's about Hashem. That's the beginning of holiness. That's the minimal requirement. The awe, the sense of Hashem's reality. Your dedication. And you're doing the mitzvah, which leads to doing the mitzvah. Actually doing the mitzvah. Doing the right thing. Acting like a Jew, putting on the tefillin, studying Torah every day, giving tzedakah every day, praying, etc. And once you do the mitzvah, then the love will come. That will lead to the love. Suddenly, you'll see a change inside of you. Suddenly, you'll start, you'll, you'll start tuning in to godly things. You'll start sensing godly things. You'll start responding to godly things. 
suddenly you're attracted to godly things because that becomes real to you. That becomes more real to you and more precious to you than all the money, power, and fame in the world. One minute of Torah, one mitzvah, one moment to be able to talk to Hashem, to have that intimate relationship with Hashem, is worth more, is more precious to you than all the money, the billions, and the power, and the fame. That's, that's external, superficial, ephemeral. That's not reality. Suddenly you start feeling, you start sensing, you start appreciating what reality is. That anything godly, this is reality, this is real. And you do it with love. What a pleasure, what an art, what a... A gift that Hashem gave us that we can do something godly. You know, the soul comes down into this world and the soul is born. So it meets a soul coming back on the return trip. <laughs> One soul is going, leaving to heaven, is about to arrive in the baby, about to be born, and the other soul finished her life, included. And the soul who's leaving heaven is crying, it doesn't want to leave heaven. That's why the baby cries. The baby is born. The baby cries. The baby shouts, yells. I don't want to leave heaven. Are you kidding? Leave my heavenly purse to go into this abyss, this dark world. And the other soul, they meet in the middle. And the other soul says, you know, I'm going to heaven. But I would give heaven away. You know how precious this life in this world is? For one penny, you can do a mitzvah. You can buy a tzitzah. You can buy a tzitzah. <laughs> And do a mitzvah for pennies. You don't have that opportunity in heaven. To do something divine. To do the will of Hashem. Are you kidding? You know what kind of riches await you? So the, once you start developing and you tune in and you become sensitive to godliness, as King David says in the Psalms, Your Torah, Hashem's Torah is more precious to me than then all the precious diamonds and gold and silver and diamonds and rubies of the world, money, power, fame, that's so external and meaningless in comparison to the reality of Hashem, the reality of God. So then you start developing a love. Then not only do you do, you also have the nishma. You have the feeling, the, the understanding. So the, the action leads, that's the ordinary way of things. The first you have to do. To get your ego out of the way and just do the right thing. Stop. Give yourself a break. <laughs> do yourself and do the world a favor. <laughs> just, 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 just stop. Stop for a second and just do the right thing. And then once you start doing the right thing, that will lead to the love. Okay, let's conclude the chapter. So, as to illuminate his divine soul with the light of the Torah and its commandments, whereupon the light of love will also shine upon it. So first you have to do Torah and mitzvah. Because every time you study Torah and every time you do a mitzvah, it illuminates your soul. You're drawing down godliness into your soul. And that will lead you to, to, a level, to feel a love for Hashem. To develop a love for Hashem. Continue. For the word v'ahavta, and you shall love the Lord your God, has a numerical value twice that of or, light as is known to those who are familiar with the esoteric discipline of the Kabbalah. Thus, first must come the illumination earned by the fulfillment of Torah and mitzvot. Only then can one be granted the illumination of experiencing a love of Hashem. The Hebrew is an amazing language. It's a divine language. It's a language with God creates the world. And there are many layers and meanings 
behind, underneath the simple meaning of the word. So the word or, which is light, which is a numerical value of 207. The word love, via hafta, you should love God your God, via hafta, is numerical value of 414. Twice or, twice light. There are two lights. There's the light of Torah and mitzvot. And then there's the light that you feel, the illumination in your soul, that you, you feel in your consciousness. You feel a love for Hashem. Suddenly, you care for Hashem. And that's the ultimate level that a Jew can reach. And that's what prayer is all about. During prayer, why do we spend so much time praying every day? The Torah refers to the mitzvah of prayer. You should serve Hashem with all your heart. The Talmud says, what kind of service are we referring to? What do you mean serving Hashem with your heart? And that refers to the mitzvah of prayer. Because the mitzvah of prayer is, is the time when you fulfill the mitzvah of Yahafta. To really love Hashem. When you really start, what is love? Love of Hashem. When you start caring about Hashem. You start caring about godly things. And when you care about something, that is love. It means you love it. And you're attracted to it. And you can't get enough of it. And you look forward. And you want more. And the more you try to quench the desire, it's like pouring kerosene on the fire. It only intensifies the love. The more you try to satisfy that love, and that thirst, and that hunger for Hashem, for something godly, the more Torah, the more mitzvot you do, the more you pray, the more good deeds. It only whets your appetite. Now you want more. You can't get enough. It just grows deeper and deeper. Like a genuine love. A genuine love. A genuine marriage. It only grows deeper with time. And it only intensifies and grows. The more you satisfy it, it only deepens. Because this love is based on a certain selflessness. It's a genuine love. So this, this is the love. This is the two lights. And the two lights are in the same word via hafta. Because in order to reach this level of illumination where your soul, you feel, you care for godly things, you suddenly start caring for godly things and you can't get enough of, of godly experiences and Torah, mitzvot, and good deeds, first you have to illuminate your soul with the light of Torah, mitzvot. Because otherwise, we cannot ordinarily access that place within us. We're not born naturally. Naturally, we don't love. Or can come naturally to us. Because we're Jewish. Jews by nature, when you tell a Jew, Hashem says and you do it, it's the right thing. I'm a soldier, here I am, I'm ready. That comes naturally to, to us. Love doesn't come naturally. Genuine love. I'm not talking about the love everyone today loves. <laughs> like I love ice cream. That's not love. That, that's infantile. That's, that's delusionary. We're talking about genuine love. Genuine love doesn't come naturally. I really care about another person. Really? You mean the image you see in the mirror? But I really care to really care about another person? To really love another person? To really care about Hashem? To love Hashem? That's, that's not, that doesn't come natural. You have to develop it. It's an illumination. You have to cultivate it. It doesn't just happen. How is it possible for us to reach that level? By doing, by studying Torah and doing the mitzvot. Because the Torah is divine and the mitzvot are divine, it illuminates our soul. When you, do, when you study Torah and you do a mitzvah and you do an act of kindness, 
it just brings light into your soul. And it prepares you and helps you develop and reveal that light, that illumination, that feeling, that connection to godliness, to godly things. So in order to achieve the Vyahafta, that's numerical value of 414. Because in order to achieve the Vyahafta, to feel and experience that love, you need not one light. One light is not enough. To get to that one light, you have to have two lights. You have to start out with the mitzvot, with the action, with the deed. Start out with the action. Start out with the deed. Even if you don't feel that love, and you can't touch that love, and you can't experience that love, just do the right thing. And that comes naturally to a Jew. A Jew by nature is a Kabbalah Sayonik. A Jew by nature has the ability to accept upon himself the yoke of heaven. You could. God, I'm yours. I trust you. I'm yours. We've survived 3,800 years, miraculously. You look in the mirror, you're looking at the greatest miracle that ever happened. For a Jew, not only we believe in God, we totally trust God. Hashem, I'm yours. You want me to do something? You don't even have to ask twice. I'm here. I feel like it. I don't feel like it. I'm in the mood. I, 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 it doesn't matter. I'm here. That comes naturally to a Jew. But when you, when, when you do the mitzvah, then you do the right thing, that illumination will illuminate your soul and that's the stepping stone. That will help you achieve the second light, the illumination, that feeling of caring, genuine caring for godliness and loving godly things and being attracted to godly things and not being able to get enough of godly things. You can't get enough of Torah and mitzvot and experiences. And this is something, this is what a Jew has to aspire to. This is what prayer is about. We're not just praying for our needs. Prayer is a time to serve Hashem with your heart, to experience the mitzvah, to fulfill the mitzvah of love Hashem, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and all your being. But the ordinary way to achieve this is through first doing the Torah mitzvah. It's only in emergency situations when Hashem sees that we're floundering, Hashem sees that nothing else is working. Hashem, out of His mercy, infinite mercy and compassion, for us, because we are a piece of Himself, we are a spark, we are a child, we are a piece, an essence of our parent, and the, the spark is the same essence of the, of the flame, of the torch, then suddenly there could be an intense illumination, out of nowhere, unprepared, and there could be a dramatic transformation, which will then lead you to start living a Jewish life, and doing the Torah and Mitzvah, and it will bring with it the awe, and the sense of Hashem's presence, and the sense of dedicating ourselves to Hashem. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.